1: Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlife Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com. This is the first serve, your home of tennis. It is joy for Jordan Thompson in Los Cabos. A miraculous marathon week ends with him. As an ATP
2: singles champion for the first time in his career, Haspari gave all.
0: But just as he has all week, Jordan Thompson had a little bit extra. He's been on court
3: in the singles for over 12 hours. But it's been worth it because he can finally call himself a champion.
4: Honestly, that's so richly deserved from Jordan Thompson. He's been so gritty this week, and I obviously just mentioned his result against Nicholson, where he was a set and 4-1 down, 50-40. You thought he had his bags packed; he was ready to go home.
5: Well, that's how I took in my weekend: a bit of pink at Marvel Stadium on Saturday night, into a bit of Jordan Thompson on uh, Sunday. So Pink said, "Let's get the party started." I think Tomo was tucked away. After all that time on court, had to catch a flight to Acapulco. But his dad, who's going to join us very soon, the family had a couple of nice ales late yesterday to salute Jordan Thompson, a winner on the ATP tour for the very first time. So I enjoyed my weekend. Uh, it's only the fourth concert I've ever been to, uh, Pink. How yeah, good was she? I know all the talk was about Taylor Swift uh, a week ago, rocking uh, the MCG for three sold-out concerts, but uh, Pink... I salute you. I think my job is easy uh, when I uh, look at uh, stage performers and what they uh, do. So she got me in a good mood and Tomo got me in an even better mood uh, come the end of yesterday because I had tickets to go to the Gold Class Cinemas and timing never quite works with uh, tennis, does it? And this was booked about a week ago and uh, I thought Tomo at one stage was going to go to three sets and luckily won the second set tiebreaker and I was able to uh, multitask uh, watching uh, tennis TV uh The previews are on uh, for the movie that I was uh, going to see. So, Jordan Thompson, well done. Everyone goes on their own journey. And it's been great that SEM programs uh, today have talked about uh, Jordan Thompson, who's really flown under the radar all his career. Not that he flew under the radar when I first saw him as an 18-year-old at the Australian Open wildcard playoff. Remember that event? There's a lot of people who want to see the wildcard playoff come back. So that that a group of Australian players who aren't quite good enough to get direct entry have to fight for a spot rather than being handed a discretionary wild card. But I remember watching this young boy from New South Wales and he was animated, hard on his sleeve. Uh, the Hewitt sort of traits, and he idolises Leighton Hewitt more than anyone, Jordan Thompson. And he has been loyal to our Australia's Davis Cup team for as long as I can remember. He will put his hand up and play every single time. And this 18-year-old at the wildcard playoff, well, he, I think it was two years in a row, he played two five-set matches. I think he won it twice. And after every point, there was this massive roar, fist pumps, uh, just all let out. All the emotion of being involved in a, uh, a Titanic tennis match where the momentum shifts uh, back and forth. So you put a little asterisk next to Jordan and you say, well, I like the cut of his jib. He's uh, competitive. He fights like, um, you know, every point's life and death. And that's all you want is a paying patron who goes along to watch a live sport or in our role here in the media where we're consumed by sport. We love it. We just want to walk away knowing that everyone's given everything, whether it be in a team sport or an individual sport. It's taken uh, this long and people would say, well, why has it taken so long? But it just goes to show how tough the world of tennis is. You enter in as a junior into the pros. You've got no ranking. There are 2,000 players ranked. The margins are extremely small. And if I think back before yesterday in Los Carbos, he has had some fine victories across the journey. He beat Andy Murray at Queen's. Indian Wells 12 months ago, he beat Stefano Tsitsipas. The last time I was at the Miami Open, he beat uh, Grigor Dimitrov, uh, played a great match on one of the outside courts. So he's always had the capability to beat uh, very good players. But he was sort of sitting in that region of 40 to 70, where you're playing a combination of two events and you're playing the challenges to maintain your ranking inside the top 100. But his game is absolutely elevated in the last six to 12 months, I would say. He's always been super fit. In fact, one of the uh, men that I respect um, probably more than anyone in tennis who we have many, many a discussion, he sent me this today and he said, uh, super quick, durable, world-class ground strokes." in capital letters, respect. And uh, someone else sent this to me. Now in the Dales loss in Brisbane, doesn't look so bad for him. When he knocked off uh, Rafa in the semi-finals of the Brisbane International earlier this year, and someone else said he just looks so solid, and he does. He's coming up in just a moment, and he's dad Steve as well. Uh, there's plenty happening in the world of tennis. Uh, Jasmine Paolini, you know when you just can't see a name coming at all? And there's many. There's many on the tour. You just can't quite forecast the trajectory of where they're going to end up. If someone told me that Jasmine Paolini from Italy was going to be the world number 14, I would have scoffed at them and said, you have got no idea what you're talking about. She's the world number 14 uh, as of uh, today. It is uh, quite incredible. Uh, Coming up a little bit later on, apart from our uh, good look at uh, the Jordan Thompson match, uh, Simon Alami, our Parents Corner segment out of uh, 9 o'clock. You'll remember we had his daughter Renee uh, on the program about three or four weeks ago. And Simon is living the life of a tennis parent of an aspiring pro. So the parent is very much involved in the entire journey. Susie Grumley from the Tarelgan Tennis Association. They're hosting two weeks of uh, tennis where Omar Jasika saluted again on the weekend after winning Bernie a few weeks ago. Omar trying to climb in the top 200. Uh, Candy Reeb, uh, ATP WTA tennis commentator, who's in Acapulco as we speak uh, we'll have a, a chat to us. And uh, Kim Kleisters and Andy Roddick have uh, weighed into this whole Simona Halep debacle uh, that is going on at the moment. So I'm going to bring you a bit of that from Andy's uh, podcast, which is uh, good to listen to. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can jump on the Hardcourts open line tonight. If you've got any thoughts about Jordan Thompson, how you've seen his career... Let's pay tribute to him uh, tonight. In fact, Duncan says off the uh, temper text, 0433981116, Jordan Thompson taking home the Los Carbos Open after a shock straight-sets victory over the world number uh, 12 Caspar and his first ATP title. Next big match will be, of course, Indian Wells. Yeah, Acapulco uh, this week, uh, Duncan. I'll go through the draw of uh, where he's uh, playing and who he's playing. And then, of course, into Indian Wells, where we're going to be for the next uh, three weeks from uh, next Monday, uh, bringing the show from the uh, Californian Desert, my uh, favourite stop on the uh, on the world tour. Up until uh, today, or last night, uh, Jordan Thompson had played 754 matches in his career. So that's including everything. Qualifying matches, ITF level, uh, challenger level all the way up to the ATP Tour. And it's taken match 7-5-5 five, five to win his first ATP title. 456 wins, 299 losses. Now, this is how it worked. Uh, he finished extremely late. The other part of the day uh, that a lot of people probably would have switched off and not uh, known about is that as soon as they played their final and in Kasparud, they then stepped out on the doubles court about half an hour later. In a semi-final. So uh, Jordan teaming up with uh, Max Purcell. Didn't want to let Max down. who had been waiting around. <laughs> delayed semi-final from the day before. Uh, when uh, Tomo beat Alexander Zverev in that semi that went nearly four hours. So the doubles was pushed back to the Sunday. They come out and win the semi. And then they won the final. I don't think I've ever seen that happen. Where you win a singles title and a doubles title on the same day. And play three matches on the same day. But he is he is as fit as anyone uh, going around. In fact, the only person in his box uh, this tournament is his fitness trainer. They've had a long uh, relationship. Uh, Jordan has had a base, of course, over in the US for quite some time. And that's what he really prides himself on. Now, Jordan Thompson was able to give me a little window earlier today. So he got to bed about 4.30 in the morning. He had an 8.30 flight to get to Acapulco in time. He touched down. I messaged and I said, Jordan, have you just got a couple of minutes before you hit the pillow? And he was good enough to uh, just reflect on his uh, victory yesterday. Jordan, a big congratulations on the week and and winning your first ATP title. A great reward for a, a lot of hard work. Just describe to us the feeling to get your first title and the week to defeat Mickelson where you were down and out, then to beat Zverev and Rude, a couple of Grand Slam finalists. Makes it even more special, I
6: imagine. Thanks, Brett. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I put a lot of hard work in, always have, and it's it's great to see that um, I got a reward for it. But not only that, it's the way I went about playing my tennis. You know, it was extremely slow conditions, and played you know, nearly every match at night time. So yeah, it was a uh, it was a long but a, a tough week, but a great week. You know, I never thought uh, I'd be uh, lifting an uh, an ATP uh, title. Proud of myself, and hopefully. Um, you know, i can keep going with this form you know especially in the last the last few matches that i played i mean i really turned around the uh, the match against mickelson really should have uh probably should have lost that six love six one but uh, yeah somehow managed to turn that around yeah i still don't know how i did it and then um yeah to beat zverev and and casper you know back-to-back nights uh you know after playing uh sasha for three hours and 40 minutes and then coming out and you know backing it up on not much sleep. You know, I don't think anyone will question my competitiveness or fitness. It gives me a lot of confidence that I know I can, uh, I can rely on my body and, and, and my mental strength.
5: The day itself, to also back up and play two more matches to secure the doubles title as well, a huge effort. Was that always the plan to see the whole day out, win or lose?
6: Yeah, I mean, it was incredibly tough to play a singles final and then, you know, go straight back out there after just just a shower. And, you know, I I don't think I even ate any food. Um, might have been like a, a 20 to 30 minute break. Um, between both those doubles matches, so yeah, it was a it was a massive massive night for me. But uh, you know, playing with Maxi, um, you know, I always put my hand up to do that. He's one of the best doubles players in the world, so whenever he wants to play, I feel like we have a legit legitimate shot at winning the title, and 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 we did that. and it couldn't have been under tougher circumstances for me. I mean, by the end of that last match, uh, yeah, my legs didn't want to go anymore. You know, I spent, I think I spent exactly five hours on court and that's not including all the warm-ups and stuff. So I was on court longer than I slept. Your game's
5: in great, Nick. I mean, you've always been a great competitor, had a great IQ on the court. What in particular has seen you elevate your game even higher now?
6: I think lately... You know, with the with my new coach, um, Marenko, you know, he's been work. We've been working together for just over a year now, and you know, people have have actually come up and said that uh, you know I'm playing much better, and you know, just looking looking like I enjoy my tennis a lot more now, and you know, there's a certain way I go about it. So, I just want to keep that up and keep enjoying it. See where that can take me. Jordan Thompson,
5: uh, a little earlier today in Ekipolko, he just arrived. At his head on the pillow, he was good enough to give us uh, a few minutes. We'll catch up with him at greater length in Indian Wells over uh, the next week, and uh, just a, a great reward for a lot of hard work. Uh, we're here thanks to Green Life Group, elevating your game on premium sports services. You might want to weigh in on Jordan Thompson one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the tech. So beats Escobedo, the Mexican. In the opening round, Emilio Narva, the American, seven six six three. in round two. yeah, The Mickelson uh, result was incredible. Now, Alex Mickelson, we've talked a lot about him on this program. He is following in the footsteps of Ben Shelton. Knocked over Alex Dimonor in the opening round, uh, who'd come off making that final in Rotterdam. So he's gone from Rotterdam all the way to Los Carbos and probably a fair bit of fatigue there for Alex. But Mickelson is uh, certainly the real deal. I mean, extraordinary. Six love, 4-1-15-40. Nine out of ten don't come back from that. But Jordan Thompson has an incredible ability just to play every point on its merits. He just fights and he stays in the zone. Love six, seven, six, seven, five. Incredible. The match against Alexander Zverev. I heard Jared Healy on uh, Sports Day just preceding my stint uh, tonight talk about uh, Zverev being one of the most fascinating players uh, on the planet. I agree. I I mean, he was the leading uh, player of that next generation and he'd won everything: ATP Finals, um, Olympics, Masters, 1000s. But he just hadn't been able to break through. He made that one Grand Slam final against uh, Dominic team at the U.S. Open back in 2020, and then got the horrific Achilles injury and in that semi-final loss to uh, Rafael Nadal at the French Open. is taking him quite a bit of time to, you know, get his mojo back. But he's certainly back inside the top ten, and on paper, you know, nine times out of ten, he probably beats Jordan Thompson. But Tomo's now got the confidence, a bit like Alex Dimonor, that we can beat these guys. They're not unbeatable. If we can just make them play a lot of balls, if we can just frustrate them, these guys like to stand and deliver. The big servers, the big you know, serve-forehand uh, combination. And and Thompson is just a player who's annoying, to be quite frank, because uh, he can hit so many different type of balls, uh, Tomo. You know, great angle, can uh, you certainly serve as uh, beefed up, and, and that's what you need. You need some free points. The Demon or serve is getting better if you're going to compete with these guys. So 13-5 and five this year. The significance on the ATP Tour, I talked about the overall win-loss. Uh, there's only one year he's been above the ledger. That was 2019 when he went 26-22 win-loss on the Tour at ATP level. He's 13-5, so he is set for his best year uh, hopefully, uh, the, the curve keeps going up uh, for uh, for Jordan Thompson. A few other talking points from uh, this tournament in Los Carbos. Some better better news for Thanasi Kokanakis, who has had a stinker of a year, to be uh, totally frank. But he went into Los Carbos searching for form. He beat uh, Jack Draper in the opening round, the Big Brit. Then he beat Dan Evans, uh, fellow uh, Brit, in the second round and went down to Zverev in the quarterfinals, three and four. But good to see Thanasi get a couple of wins. Uh, Demonor crashing out at the buy in the first round, crashed out to Mickelson. We'll give him a week off, uh, Alex. He's been so good. You just can't be up and winning every uh, single week. Uh, Max Purcell's the interesting one for me at the moment. I mean, he's defending a lot of points through this February period because he won the three challenges in India last year. But he's now stepping up to the ATP Tour, and he certainly hasn't produced his best form in the month of uh, February. So, he's dropped 11 spots. He was in the 40s; he's down to 62 as of uh, today. And you know, beats Alnaldi, the Italian. Uh, the Aussies have got the wood over Alnaldi the last uh, few hitouts. Then loses to Nuno Borges of Portugal, who's a much improved player who had that really good run at the Australian Open at the start of the year. He's 56 in the world, so margins really small there. But one that was certainly gettable for Max, who has just got to figure a few things out at the moment but you know playing doubles with Jordan Thompson uh, performed uh, brilliantly. Uh, Rinky Hijikata had a really good first round win against uh, Keczmanovic and then went down to uh, Kovacevic the American who also beat Rinky today in qualifying for Acapulco a match that went nearly uh, 3 hours so he'd uh, want to not see him in the uh, the near future but Rinky's going okay. I mean he's 79 in the world. You just if he can just keep incrementally um, you know, winning uh, at least one or two matches at this ATP Tour level. It gets you into tournaments, then it comes down to matchups. And Alexander Vukic had a really tough time of it in Los Cabos. He broke, uh, I think, a run of uh, seven defeats against um, Pacheco, the Mexican wild card. And the opening round then got obliterated uh, by Stefano Sitsipas, uh, 6-3, uh, 6-love. And then, of course, Purcell and Thompson, as I mentioned, their third title together. They've all come abroad, Houston, uh, Dallas, of course, a couple of weeks ago, and now lost Carbos seven six seven five in the doubles uh, final one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Chris in Rose Bay, up in beautiful Sydney, has given us a call. Welcome, Chris.
7: Yeah, I, I just want to comment on Jordan Thompson and this performance. I think it's up there with some of the great tennis performances by Australians over the years. I cannot believe how we did that in the last three games, um, and then to win the doubles and he was talking about how knackered he was, but, my God, he will sleep the sleep of kings because yeah. I think what he's done in the last 24 hours is extraordinary.
5: Yeah, I would love to a 15-minute chat with him today, and I was trying not to pressure him too much. I just said, hey, the Aussie tennis fans would love to hear your voice today, and he's never been one that has done a lot of media, doesn't overly enjoy the media. I mean, look at the presentation ceremony. I mean... You know, he was he was pretty uh, pretty low-key. And that's Geordie. That's the way he goes about. He lets his uh, tennis do the talking. But, Chris, he, he's as fit as anyone going around. He has put in so much work to build a body that is durable uh, for the brutality of men's tennis, where you, your, your reaction time is so minimal.
7: I'm trying to think of somebody who's endured what he had to endure in the last three games to come out and win, win a tournament like that. Just... The comeback in every game has just been extraordinary. Yeah, I mean there probably are
5: there probably are many. We're thinking about Jordan there is a lot of tennis matches played in tournaments and you know off the top of my head um, I'm probably not going to recall other similar type performances. Uh but you know we see you know lucky losers, we see qualifiers who come through playing you know two or three qualifying matches going to win tournaments they've played in the space of a week they they've played eight matches which is you know quite extraordinary even though it's best of 3 not best of 5 but yeah, hats off to Jordan Thompson. Thank you, Chris. A nice call. If you want to talk uh, some Jordan Thompson, I'm sure he'd be happy to uh, hear there's a bit of love for him back home here in Australia. one three hundred seven we will come back after the break with his dad, uh, Steve Thompson, well-known, long-time coach in Sydney, who's been very much part of the journey. That is next on The First Serve. Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlight Group to keep your
1: sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com.
5: This is the First Serve, your home of tennis. Uh, no, I was going to say the old number. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 on the Harcourts open line. 4 33 on the uh, temper text. Uh, plenty coming in for Jordan Thompson. What a great result. I think Tomo... Uh, changed his uh, forehand last year and it seems everything has turned around. So good to see him uh, not beating himself. Congrats to him and his family. Great people. Thank you, Alex. Off the uh, text, I love Jordan's never uh, never say die approach. Uh, this is what it means to be an Aussie, not like some of the other clowns who uh, have represented Australia. Not naming, of course, uh, any names. Uh, Jordan Thompson is harder than a cat's head. The cat being Joel Selwood. Um, he loves his West Tigers in the NRL Uh, Jordan, uh, being a a Sydney sider, uh, I think he was out uh, over the summer um, uh, catching up with the boys during uh, pre-season training, and I'll tell you what, I reckon he'd go right at rugby league. He's he's tough, he doesn't mind a bit of confrontation and uh, doesn't suffer fools too easily. Uh, Jordan Thompson. His dad, Steve, for those of you in the tennis fraternity you would know Steve Thompson, long-time coach up in uh, Sydney. He uh, has been out on court the last few days, was Uh, Trying to grab a window with Steve because he's so dedicated to coaching him. When uh, Jordan was playing across uh, the last uh, couple of days, he was on court coaching, checking scores, multitasking. I was lucky enough to meet Steve at the US Open going back a few years ago and he talked glowingly about his son, but how tough the journey is. And he was involved certainly in the early days of the formative years of Jordan entering the sport and then as he got better and obviously there was a chance to make it in the pros, he then handed him over Uh, to uh, a number of coaches who have uh, come and gone. Uh, Steve Thompson, I caught up with a pretty proud dad earlier today.
4: Thank you, yeah, for sure. Unbelievable, all the hard work he's put in and to win a tournament and most probably nearly hitting 30. He most probably didn't think it was going to come, but eventually it's there.
5: And the way he did it this week and the calibre of player that he beat, it's something you'll never forget.
4: I honestly thought there was no chance. I was on court myself watching the scores and uh, against Alex Mickelson when he was down... Six love, four one, fifth forty. I just thought, oh, at least he's got a game it wasn't looking too good there for a long
5: time just give us your own perspective of jordan's journey i've been asked about it on SEN today and i remember back to you know watching him at wildcard playoff all those years ago and he was uh, obviously an emerging young player and he played with so much passion and you know won a couple of five-set matches and he was pretty animated wore his heart on his sleeve and i uh, jotted his name down i thought well gee he's got all the competitive traits that you need if you're going to make it in professional tennis but it's It's been a huge ride, hasn't it? it? It's not an easy sport to make it. It's extremely competitive. It's global. A lot of dedication, a lot of sacrifice, particularly for the Aussie players to spend the amount of time away from home. Can you sort of give us your own summary of you know, the journey? Yeah, look,
4: for sure. That going back to those days, I think that's where he sort of he sort of come from nowhere at 19 and won the... Or not from nowhere, but um, definitely wasn't favoured to win the Wild Card playoff. And you know going away and playing all those tournaments like it looks glamorous but he's missed a lot of things with his friends you know parties just the sacrifices he's done and on his own body as well like always the training you know it's not just out on the court playing you've got cool down fitness There's so many factors that go into it. It is very um, time-consuming
5: as well. What do you think's elevated? Because he's always had, if I go all the way back, Steve, he's always had a great brain out on the tennis court. He's always been durable. I mean, you obviously need that self-belief and and you get those sort of breakthrough wins against better players, which you know certainly builds that. He's always been a tough player to play against, but what have you depicted or what have you noticed or what intelligence can you give us as to how he's sort of been able to elevate to the next level? Is it just simply experience? Experience and the more time he's been out there, he's got better?
4: Like I think he's keeping his body right. And also, I think Marinko's had a pretty good fact, you know. He's uh, factored a few things into Jordan and his game. He's obviously coming in a little bit more and taking a few more risks. He never used to take... He wasn't the greatest uh, risk-taker out there. He was, but he's he seems to be doing that, maybe playing a few more slices. And... Um, Definitely a different game that he's brought, and
5: he, he believes in what he's doing, and seems to be paying off. He made the comment that he's probably enjoying his tennis more than at any time in his career. I mean, results obviously can you know dictate <laughs> all of that sort of stuff, but I suppose when you've been on the tour for a long time, that it can wear you down. You've got to you've got to be able to do it with a smile on your face and actually enjoy yeah. enjoy this whole journey.
4: Absolutely, like. Yeah, I think, like you said, he he does wear his heart on his sleeve and most probably haven't noticed that as much because he's most probably playing a bit better, so he's most probably not as frustrated. The uh, competitiveness definitely comes out if it's not going well for him, but, um, yeah, like even in practice when he's been practicing at our club and that, he's definitely a lot happier on the court and um, seems to be know what his job is and doing it and, yeah... His body is good and staying doing all the right things, the little, most probably the little things or the big things, and it's uh, been very uh,
5: good for him. I mean, you mentioned you're out on court. I mean, you know, coaching's been in your blood for a, a long, long time. What does sort of the Jordan story say to a lot of aspiring pros? Because I've made reference today that, you know, Melman won his first title around about the same age and played his best tennis probably in that 28 to 32 window, it took a A lot of years of hard work to build it. his game to a level where he could be successful inside the top 100. And, you know, Chris O'Connell's older and Vukic a little bit older. There's quite a few. I mean, the Demon's probably the exception where he's at for his uh, age. But for a lot, and that's not just Aussies, but for a lot of players around the world, you know, the success comes later, doesn't it, that you've got to just put in the yards.
4: Noticing there's quite a few of the older... If you look at Gasco, he's still 37, still playing. Monfils, I think,
8: did well the other day... I suppose maybe is a if your body can stay right
4: and maybe the smartness around the around the cord and being there for a long time you eventually learn what's going on
5: out there. No doubt. Have the family sort of celebrate anything last night just people uh, back here or are you as um, sort of humble as uh, your son do? because he is probably yeah he's fairly understated isn't he? I mean he he, um I'm sure behind the scenes he probably is, is letting out a bit more emotion, but uh, it, it obviously means a lot to a lot of people who have been part of this whole journey.
4: Oh, look, we would have had a few drinks. as most probably the norm, crack a bowl red, but um, it was, and more so during the match, I think, just to keep the nerves going there. Yeah. Uh, he gets the first one, but I don't think he would have... I don't know how he celebrated. I think they were... Um, I think they were in bed at 3.30 and on a plane at 8. So wasn't mm. much time for him and um, Tony, the fitness trainer, so they do took from there.
5: Well, thank you for just chatting to us. It's a, yeah, a great story. I've been an underbashed fan for a long time. We love the players that uh, bring everything from the locker room out on the court and he never leaves anything in the locker room and that's all you can ask for is a, a patron, paying patron to go along and watch a tennis match. Uh, so you should be pretty proud of your son, I'm sure you are, and hopefully there's uh, more upside to come.
4: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, very proud. He's always, uh, even from a young age, he's been in very bad positions and always, you know, never gives up. Keep playing and um, let's hope he can keep doing it for a few more years to come.
5: Steve Thompson, the father of uh, Jordan, reflecting with me uh, earlier uh, today. And yeah, pretty proud of his uh, son who, you know, entering a sport like tennis, it is enter at your own risk. And the parents are a huge part because. If they're not prepared to stump up some dollars in the early formative years, um, it, it's tough to actually have a chance of uh, making it. The parents play a huge part. We'll chat to uh, another parent of a 14-year-old aspiring pro, uh, Simon Alami out of uh, 9 o'clock uh, tonight. We're here thanks to Green Life Group, whether it's tennis, football or cricket. You can trust Green Life Group to keep your sports grounds in top conditions. Uh, elevate your play at glgcorporate.com Back with more of The First Serve. Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Life Group
1: to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at
5: glgcorp.com. This is The First Serve, your home of tennis. Thank you, Ed. one 736 736 on the Harcourts Open line. You can jump on the temper text to 904 Platform for you every week uh, to talk and share your views on the world in tennis. We've been paying tribute to Jordan Thompson, the first... Half hour of the show, winner on the ATP Tour for the very first time at the age of uh, 29. He's in Acapulco as we speak. He'll play that tournament. He's got a qualifier in the first round. Uh, so he'll have a couple of days to settle in. And then, of course, uh, Indian Wells, the next big event where we will be broadcasting from uh, for the next uh, three Mondays. In fact, uh, I'm going to duck him to the San Diego uh, open this week at WTA 500 on the way to the desert uh, where Daria Seville has uh, qualified. I'll get on to uh, your question, Steve, very shortly about women's tennis. Um, I'll come back to that. Let's just wrap up the other men's uh, results. The ATP 250 in Doha in Qatar over the weekend. Karin Hutchinov the number two seed. Well, he got the job done against a very impressive young Czech in uh, Jakub Menshik. I'll talk about him in a moment, but here's Hutchinov uh, speaking after winning a sixth ATP to a title. Goodness,
0: 14-12, first set tie break. Unreal stuff from you both tonight. How deep did you have to dig for this one? I mean, to be
9: honest, uh, I thought yesterday was like 14-12. I I mean, it was preparation for today, I guess. And today I couldn't believe that it was the same score, uh, same tie break. Uh, He was serving incredible. I mean, me too. uh, you know, final, these thoughts uh, were in my head all the time, circulating, you know. But uh, at the end of the day, I tried to stay calm. I tried to do what I can do, you know. And if he, he beat me, he beat me, you know. And uh, uh, I stayed strong. I'm extremely happy, extremely proud I could, uh, I could win this first set. Again, it lifted me
0: a lot and gave me a lot of confidence, you know, to step up in the second. This is your sixth title next to the Paris Masters. How special is this one? Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a, every title is a special one, you know. Every time you want to win, every tournament you
9: play, we play like around 22 tournaments per season, you know. And at the end of the day, you, you compete every week, you know. So for sure here in Doha, you know, this uh, is one of the nicest trophies and uh, <laughs> I think it would be a special one also.
5: Karin Khachanov, a winner in Doha, beating Jakub Minchik, 18-year-old from the Czech Republic. Can you think back to the junior final? Uh, against uh, Bruno Kuzahara, the young American. It was about three years ago. This match went forever. I was doing the on-court announcing on uh, Rod Laver Arena, and I tell you, behind the scenes, they were frantic. They said, look, we're enjoying this boys' final. We need to get these guys off. We've got uh, a women's final coming up. We've got all the pre-match ceremony uh, and festivities to go through. Now, Menchik was taken off court in a wheelchair. He got a full body cramp. He couldn't even come out for the presentation. So he's a name that you couldn't forget. You didn't win the final that day, but you thought he's going to be something. So in this match against uh, Hutchnov, he serves 16 aces. He's gone up 29 spots. He's 18. He's already inside the top 100 at 87 in the world. So inside the top 100 for the very first time. He was 167 at the start of this year. For those of you that went to the Canberra International to start the Aussie summer, he was runner-up. Uh, He qualified for the Australian Open, got a win against Denis Shapovalov in the first round, made the semi-final in Bahrain of a challenger and runner-up at the 250 in uh, Doha. He's got some presence out on court. He knocked over the top seed Andre Rublev on the way to that final. Uh, Brilliant uh, performance. And the other uh, talking point uh, from the week, from an Aussie perspective, is uh, Alexei Poprin. So his first tournament uh, since the AO uh, made the semis a good win against Alexander Bublik, who'd been in good form to start the year and uh, went down uh, in a tight first set tiebreak that Hutch and I've just referenced a couple of moments ago. 7-6, 14 points to 12, and then uh, lost the second set, 6-2 Popram. But he's at 38 in the world. And uh, I was asked over the weekend, who's got the most upside of all this group of Australians behind De Minaur. All, all of a sudden, Jordan Thompson's risen to be our number two Aussie and gone ahead of Purcell, and Popran who longer term and being a little bit younger, had probably got some real upside to eventually overtake uh, Tomo. But yeah, I'm I'm sort of torn between Popran and uh, Purcell. For me, it's Max, but Max, I just think has probably tried to play a little bit too clever in February. We know that he his brand of tennis is not conventional, and he likes to play every different shot in the book. Sometimes I think you've got to um, just maybe put a few of those away at certain times, but. He is learning all about life on the ATP Tour against uh, these very uh, seasoned players. And Poprin has just got that easy power. So it'll be interesting. But for Hutchinov, five and one in final. So he's tough to beat in the final. He's gone up two spots to 15 in the world and did not drop a set all week. Jamie Murray and Michael Venus uh, took out the doubles. Uh, for the Mem, uh, Mexico, uh, Acapulco this week. Alex Dimonor to take on Taro Daniel of Japan. Uh, Max Purcell to take on Francis Tiafos. So that's a tough first round. And uh Jordan Thompson will have a qualifier unfortunately Rinky Hijikata bundled out in 3 sets in qualies a little bit earlier today uh, Purcell and Thompson to back up from winning Los Cabos to play in the doubles uh, Rinky Hijikata to play with Joe Salisbury which is a combination we haven't seen and uh, John Pierce to play with Heliovara the Finnish player They've been playing quite a bit uh, over the last uh, year or so. And the tour is also in Dubai, the ATP 500. So, Chris O'Connell to take on uh, one of the great names, uh, Maximilian Martelier of Germany, the qualifier. And Alexei Pobram, he's going to play Karen Hutchinoff. Semi final, one tournament. They play each other in the first round of the next tournament. That's just the way the balls come out sometime. And never forgetting Dwayne Russell. I'll just have to borrow a segment from your show, Lost in the Wash. This might have just uh, not caught everyone's attention uh, last week. Matthew Ebden of Australia, officially with the rankings today, is the number one doubles player in the world. We know that he and Rohan Bopana won the Australian Open, Bopana just edging out Matt to be the number one player at 43 years of age. Well, now Matt's just overtaken him. They're playing their first tournament since the AO in Dubai this week, the 500. But well done to Matt Ebden. What a rise it's been after giving away his singles career and deciding uh, just to focus uh, on uh, the doubles. Before we head to the break, Jasmine Paolini. I talked about her at the start of the show. Knock me down. 14 in the world. Her biggest title, the WTA 1000 in Dubai. Never give up. Jasmine Paolini. is the champion in Dubai back from the brink two players who have given everything in an extraordinary week but it's the Italian, the 28 year old unseeded player who wins the biggest title of her career an extraordinary final an extraordinary champion Jasmine Paolini enjoy this moment what a special achievement, what a result what a turnaround in that final set Beating Alaa Kalinskaya, 4-6, 7-5, 7-5 to be crowned the champion in Dubai.
7: Jasmine, congratulations, your
3: first WTA 1000 title. What does this mean to you?
2: It's so yeah, special, back, um, yeah. I'm Thank really happy. You. Okay. It was a really tough match. Uh, She's playing unbelievable. She played an unbelievable week and yeah, I'm really happy how to manage to come back. You know, it was really tough. I tried to stay focused every point to believe it. And it went well. So yeah, I'm really proud of myself. Responding to everything, if you were
3: breakdown to all the hard hitting, it was quite amazing. But are you surprised at everything
2: you've done this week? I'm really surprised. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know what to say. I'm just, you know, happy and uh, happy. Out, uh, I believe to win every match and it was tough because I remember the first match I was set and break down and I came back and everything changed. I lost first round and I'm here winning the title. It's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> and what about the energy that you've picked up
3: from this crowd over the week?
2: Yeah. Oh, you are crazy, guys. Thank you very much for, t- for supporting me. Proud of them, and yeah, it was a special week. I would like also to thank, of course, my coach, my fitness coach who is at home, the Italian Tennis Federation who gave me support with the physio, you know.
5: You, got, yeah, you need the physio more than anyone uh, on the tour, so if the is going to supply one thing, it's uh, <laughs> the physio's got to be uh, right up there. Tough uh, three-set win against uh, Anna Kellen-Sky. What a year she's having. Beat her in Adelaide. And uh, I didn't mind her tennis up in Brisbane. Goes on to make the quarterfinals of the Australian Open. She was 80 in the world. She's 24 today. She's had an incredible start to the year. So two players in the final that we couldn't have predicted. Uh, but Paolini, second career title. She said she's been inspired by Yannick Sinner and really spoken about the profound influence of Italy's golden generation of women. Uh, Flavia Panetta, Francesca Schiavone, Roberto Vinci, Sarah Arani, who to this day remains uh, her role model and uh, biggest influence. So uh, what a win uh, to uh, get to 14 in the world. She was 30 at the start of the year. And Callan Skye, she beat Ostapenko, Goff, Egish Fiontek on the way through. So the margins are particularly small in the uh, world of tennis. And just before we head to the break, uh, Storm Hunter, Katarina Siniarkova uh, taking out the women's doubles title. Good combination at uh, this pair and uh, Storm trying to climb back up to number one where she was. They defeated the Aussie, Ellen Perez and Nicole Melica Martinez, who are now 1-10 in finals. They just cannot win the silver where they're after. They're making a lot of finals, but tough to beat Hunter and Sini Arcaver. A quick break. We'll come back and wrap up the first hour. Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlife Group
1: to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at
5: glgcorp.com. This is The First Serve, your home of tennis. Uh, Quick segment here before our second hour at uh, 9 o'clock. We're going to be joined by Simon Alami, of course, uh, our parents' corner. Uh, segment. Uh, Susie Grumley from the uh, Terrelgan Tennis Association hosting a couple of big weeks on the Australian Pro Tour. Candy Reid, uh, tennis commentator who's in Acapulco. Kim Kleisters and Andy Roddick weighing into uh, Simona Hallett. A couple off the text. Uh, Brett Awesome by JT. My question is where are at with the Aussie female tennis going forward. Thank you, Steve, for your text. Well, probably our brightest prospect young Taylor Preston, 18 years of age. I watched that full final in Mexico today, the WTA 125. Now, she was 7-5-2 love up in that final and got overrun by the lucky loser, if you don't mind, McCartney Kessler, one of the great names if she makes it. One hour and 50. Uh, she's 24, was the top seed in qualifying. Her. She got knocked out, got a second chance when she received the lucky loser spot after the injury withdrawal of Amanda Anasimova, then goes on to win the whole tournament. These things happen in tennis. It is remarkable. But uh, Preston started beautifully, and she really faded. But we're not putting any great pressure. I mean, she's already at 151 in the world at 18 years of age. And she is going to have a very good career. Where she lands, we're not 100% sure. Steve, I might uh, continue answering that. After the break, because when I look at the uh, rankings uh, today, obviously, Arena Roddinova has uh, slipped out of the top 100. She was in briefly at 102. Storm Hunter at 121. Darius Seville at 137, who's qualified for San Diego this week. Astra Sharma at 138. Gadecki at 139. And Taylor Preston, the youngest of that batch of players at 18, at 151. So she's got... Enormous upside. A lot of the players I've mentioned have been around for quite some time and really haven't been able to elevate their going to be permanent uh, top 100 uh, players. Stick around for the second hour. Check out our website, thefirstserve.com.au anytime. Follow us on our socials, Facebook, Insta, Twitter, TikTok, whatever takes your fancy.
1: Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Green Life Group to keep your sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your
5: play at glgcorp.com. This is The First Serve, your home of tennis. Our number two on this uh, Monday night. Happy to take your calls. Harcourt's open line 1300 736 736. On the uh, 40 Wings temper text tonight, you can uh, fire those through 0433 98 eleven sixteen Brett Phillips in the chair. You can follow us all week at thefirstserve.com.au. Our team of riders uh, certainly uh, punching out some great content. And uh, we're following the Aussies on a weekly basis on all our social channels. So however you... Uh, Taking your socials. Uh, we've got it there for you on a day-to-day basis uh, with the Aussies uh, plying their trade uh, all around the world. I did forget to leave out in the first hour, Sebastian Byers, if you don't mind, the Rio Open, an event I'd love to get to, uh, where Carlos Elcaraz was certainly one of the stories of the week, having to retire, uh, having rolled his ankle in that opening round. He's supposed to be playing Rafael Nadal in Las Vegas this coming Sunday in an exhibition before trying to defend his Indian Wells title. So more news on that uh, throughout the week. But uh, Baez, his maiden uh, 500 victory, biggest title of his career, uh, fourth ATP title. The th- uh, previous three have been at 250 level, 6-2, 6-1, up against the qualifier, Mariana Navoni from Argentina, who was the absolute surprise packet entering uh, the tournament, had never won a match on the ATP World Tour. Uh, The Brazilian crowd absolutely loved him. He's gone up uh, 53 spots to 60 in the world. And the other talking point from uh, this tournament during the week uh, was young uh, João Fonseca, the Brazilian wildcard, 17, won the US Open Juniors last year, had a great run to uh, make it through to the quarterfinals, jumping up 312 spots to 343 in the world. So that's where I, I like the wild cards being given out. Not for the majors, but certainly for tour events where you get to actually play in the city where you were born, Rio. The crowd got behind him. It was a phenomenal, the atmosphere. And in fact, Andy Murray put out, I'm still going to say tweet, a little X statement during the week. Andy said, unpopular opinion. South America should have its own dedicated swing on the tennis tour with its own Masters Series. The way the fans support the tournaments there is incredible, amazing atmospheres, and is clearly part of their sporting culture. Vamos. ATP Tour. Trying to call them to arms to maybe give South America a little bit more prominence. We've had Cordoba, Buenos Aires, Rio, Santiago in Chile this week uh, for the ATP 250. Do they deserve a Masters event or a big prominent event? You can weigh in on that 0433981116 on the uh, temper text. But the atmosphere that comes through from the uh, South American tournaments is electric. Remember when Chile played Peru a few weeks ago? We played that sound uh, from the Davis Cup. It was like being at a World Cup uh, football match. It was uh, something else. And, Steve, just to tidy up on our women, look, we've got a lot just outside the top 100, and I'm not – Convinced at all that any of them can get in, if I'm being brutally honest. Uh, But Taylor Preston is a a young uh, player that we're hanging our hopes on. Uh, Talia Gibson, another product from WA, is a really good talent. Then we're going down to Emerson Jones. Young Maya Joint, uh, of course, who uh, won Bernie, but she's in the 300. So a lot of them are long-term prospects, but Taylor's the one who's making... Uh, rapid progress. I just wanted to quickly acknowledge uh, Troy off the temper text. Brett, let's not forget Leighton Hewitt's influence, faith and instilling that never-say-die attitude in the Davis cut with Jordan Thompson. Absolutely, Troy. These two are tight. He idolises Leighton. Remember when Leighton was playing still some doubles? He was sort of coming out of retirement and still playing some doubles late in his career. He was playing with Jordan Thompson, and they have formed a great union, and he's been very much an integral part of the uh, Thompson journey. It is a journey for players, and they need a supportive parent or parents to be with them in the trenches. So we wanted to have our little parents' corner segment tonight. A few weeks ago, we had young Renee Alami, 14 years of age. She won one of the ITF events, junior events up in uh, Brisbane. She's an emerging uh, prospect, and her dad, Simon, is along for the whole journey. Simon, it's uh, great to have you on uh, the first serve. Thanks for having us, Brett. Appreciate your patience uh, waiting there. It is a journey, isn't it, for parents? You know, I had uh, Steve Thompson, uh, Jordan's father, on in the first hour, who's been there for the entire ride. You're very much, you know, central. He's got a tennis coaching background until he handed his son over, but you're still very much part of it as a supportive parent, and it changes as obviously your child is getting older. But right now, living the life of a a parent of a 14 year old who aspires to, you know, climb this uh, tennis ladder. What is that like?
9: What is it like? Firstly, with uh, Steve Thompson, I was on the phone with him today because he's actually Renee's private coach.
5: There you go. He's he's taught me
9: everything he knows, so I'm like a mini Steve Thompson. (laughs) Very nice. (laughs) Now, look, the journey, it's uh, like a lot of friends ask, mate, I'm going to get my kids into tennis. We muck around and say, don't do it. It it becomes a full-time job, especially if they get to this level. So I'm lucky enough to work early mornings and late nights, so I'm free during the day. But yeah, it's, it's it's one hell of a ride. It's it's a fun ride. You, you get to hang out with your kids, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of ups and downs. A lot of ups and downs.
5: I think I made the reference, Simon, in the first hour, and I've used this sort of phrase before. But tennis is uh, it's a bit of an enter at your own risk sport, isn't it? I mean, you talk about you know business, and it is like starting your own business. You've got to come up with some funds to get the whole thing up and running. And obviously, you know, those who have got talent in Australia get supported by Tennis Australia as well and then some sponsors start to come on board uh, who uh, you know get right behind some emerging talent but the parents are very much part of that sort of funding journey to get it all rolling
9: funny you say that i i tell my kids you guys are lucky you're a professional tennis players as we speak because you don't pay for nothing we pay for everything and you do it full time but um yeah like i said when you said uh, with the um funding and whatnot that helps with ta but um once your kid, if they're good or if they're winning matches, you're stuck. Whether, you, whether you've got money or you don't have money, you're going to find a way to make it happen, especially if they're, if they're half decent.
5: And just the balance is apparent when your child has got some great ability and then you're very conscious of your child also finishing schooling and making sure there's you know a bit of a plan B or having that education behind it. And Obviously, there's you know the chance to go on to college when – you know, some of the uh, players get older, up around sort of 17, 18, uh, 19. But in Renee's case, uh, obviously, you know, trying to combine all this training with schooling and, you know, also travelling and being out of the country, uh, you know, trying to gel that together, I imagine, is not uh, not totally easy.
9: Yeah, like you said, it isn't easy. Um, that's why, like, we made the decision a few years back where we took him out of school because, I sort of looked at the grades at school. They weren't going to be doctors or surgeons. <laughs> so it's, we give tennis a crack. But they look, they still do school. That and it helps so much with their travelling because they can just take it with them. Um, but yeah, it's, it is a juggling act. And I know with Renee, she's really thorough. She's sometimes she'll take a couple of days off tennis just to do her school and just to catch up. But so yeah, to to go down the elite pathway plus school, it's it's look for them as well. It's pretty much a full time job. It's pretty tough.
5: So you you live and breathe the the tennis. Landscape. You're out there. You're watching Renee train and practice in that sort of club environment. Um, you know, obviously the tournaments she's played, and I did see you up at the the, the clay court nationals in Canberra uh, last year, where I was just a, an interested observer to observe the whole environment of how you know the parents uh, support their kids and, and and the journey the kids go on to you know form their own identity uh, out on uh, the tennis court. I mean, just give us an insight. Into the the tennis environment that you experience, and 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 how beneficial it is here in Australia, and and where where we can improve in that area as well.
9: But the only, like I said, I've had the opportunity to go overseas to Europe a few times to watch Renee, um, the Junior World Cup last year, I think, and I went to France to watch the Tabs as well. Um, look, Australia is a great place, awesome facilities that can play. The, the, the biggest thing we have that we struggle with is obviously in Europe, They got, and you've probably heard this a million times, just the competition. You, mm. you know, you drive six hours one way in Europe, you're going through four or five countries. So we drive six hours out of Sydney to Coffs Harbour to play, play the same play as we play in Sydney in Coffs You know, so that's that's the struggle, just the competition. So for her, she's lucky, lucky enough she went overseas at a young age where she gets to compete against these kids where then she realises, hold on a sec, they're on sort of my level, they're normal people. who's If you don't get that exposure and you don't get out there and then you go overseas and you get melted a few times, the self-belief disappears and I find that a big thing. So that's that's the only struggle with Australia. Everything's great to train in that, but we're that far away from everyone else, so we don't get that, you know... World, uh, world uh, competition.
5: Yeah, I mean, it, it has been brought up a lot you now. Our logistical uh, challenges, and then how vast this country is, and mm. uh, the, the the level of uh, competition. So there are just some realities, aren't there, Simon? But is, is there anything that you think could be improved here, or could we make some tweaks that could maybe um, just up that competition here in Australia?
9: You know what? Like we had a actually, it was last. Year we uh, Renee got invited to a talents combine yep. up in Brisbane, which yeah, was pretty cool. There was, I think sixteen the sixteen of the best kids, mm. and we're just saying. And a lot of look, a lot of kids maybe don't want to live away at a young age from home. So we were thinking as well, like between parents and a couple of coaches, we talked to that if they could do that four, five, six times a year, where they bring the best, the best of the country into a training camp, bit of competition, you know, for, whether whether it's just a week, but like to do it more often, maybe they can up the level.
5: That got great reviews, didn't it, Uh, that uh, that camp in Brisbane? There were a lot of people who spoke glowingly of uh, the the benefits of the players in that week. I mean, ideally, Simon, what do you think your role as a parent is? I mean, I I went and watched my twin nieces play basketball. they were only seven uh, last uh, Saturday morning. It's an interesting place. There's actually actually a sign on the wall that says, um, if you've got nothing good to say, then don't say anything at all. Obviously, trying to... You know, give the kids a good environment just to learn and uh, develop. But you would experience that parental sort of environment where it does range, isn't it? There are more animated parents who outwardly express uh, their emotions towards their kids and, and, and support them. And that can be in a good way. But there are those who just stay very, very low key and just in the background and, and play their part. What ideally do you think is the role of the parent in junior tennis?
9: I've got to be a bit careful here. Cause like you said, you meet a lot of unique people in this sport and um yeah, like I said, look, as a parent, what I try to do, me personally, is obviously support and love my kids, try to be a dad. Yes, yes, you're going to have that tennis reign because we've been around it for so long, for the last 10 years, so we sort of become tennis experts, but at the end of the day, you've got to sort of love and support and, and be there for them, and, and whether they win or lose, you've got to, like I said, be that someone to lean on kind of thing, because like, it's pretty tough. Like You're on your own, like you said, and if you lose a match... and no one likes losing. I don't like losing, but you just got to be there for him because <laughs> this is a tough sport. It's just with Jordan you're talking about. He's played what 13, 14 years on the pro tour, yeah. and he wins his first ATP title. But he's been in the top 100 for eight years. Mm. So that's how hard this sport is. So <laughs> as a parent, we have just got to be supportive and be there for him and whatever they need.
5: Yeah, so many ways to measure success. Obviously, you know, very few get to the absolute cream, the the top echelon of the sport and winning majors. It's it's hard, isn't it? But if you walk away, certainly winning more matches than you lose, and bank more money than you're spending, and you have a great life experience of travelling around the world, meeting so many people. I mean, there are just so many, uh, so many benefits. In fact, someone said to me last year that tennis players would make the best employees, Simon, because they've built this incredible resilience. You know, going around the world. You, you know, if you unless you're winning the tournament, you're losing every single week. Um, do, you, do you sort of uh, does that make a bit of sense to you?
9: It does, it does. Funny you say that, you know, I was speaking with Brad Jones, uh yep. a quick shout out to Brad my Emerson dad, mm-hmm. um, at the Australian Open Juniors and he because obviously Emerson's been really successful and he, he goes, you know what, Simon, he goes, A lot of small joys in this sport. He goes he goes, You can go the season winning seventy matches, losing twenty. Yes, successful season. He goes, But you only win three tournaments. Yeah. That means you're still losing every week. Mm. He goes, all small joys. They're yeah, pretty tough, but like I said, and it's not that a faint-hearted and only a special few make it.
5: Mate, great to pick your brain tonight. Let's do it again. Renee, um, you know, I got to see her play in Canberra and watched a little bit of the ITF that she uh, won up in Brisbane. It was great to chat to her a, a few weeks ago. It is a journey. She's 14 and who knows what lies ahead, but she seems uh, pretty committed. She's going to give it one hell of a shot. So uh, we'll see how it all transpires. But uh, really appreciate some insights uh, tonight.
9: Uh, you're a legend, Bert, and thank you for having us. And we'll chat soon.
5: Simon Alami, he's the father of Rene Alami, a developing prospect here in Australia. After the break, Susie Grumley is going to join us from the Tarelgan Tennis Association. They're hosting a couple of big weeks of tennis on the way to the break. Would Elbow have sent Jordan a congratulatory message today or is he staying away from tennis after he was booed at the Australian Open? Tell you what, he was getting the hips moving at Taylor Swift, Anthony Albanese across the weekend. He might not have it, might not have landed on his desk the Jordan Thompson won, but he does love his tennis. We might send him a note here from the first serve. We'll be back. Whether it's tennis, football, or cricket, trust Green Group to keep your
1: sports grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at GLGcorp.com.
5: This is The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back on this uh, Monday night. 1-300-736-73604-3398-1116. I'd ban players from bouncing the before uh, bouncing the ball before serves. That would cut uh, 35 minutes from uh, two-hour matches. Ban the bounce on the text. Well, We have said it the last uh, few weeks. I think there probably should be a cap because uh, Alexander Zverev, that was... Uh, Hard work when we called that semi final against Daniil Medvedev on the Friday night when he was bouncing the ball. Uh, I think Mark Woodford and I were keeping count 17, 18 times at one stage in a five-set match. <laughs> a lot of fill time. A lot of fill time on uh, radio, let me tell you. Uh, we appreciated Daniil that night, just stepping up, bang, getting through his service games quickly. We missed Roger. He used to bounce the ball twice up into his service motion. We've been used to Rafa. We'll sort of cop it because he's such a champion. But uh, it gets on our goat a bit uh, with all the uh, the pre stuff before launching into the serve. I'll we'll get the one in the mailbag uh, very soon that came through during the week. Uh, longer form correspondence, always love getting that during the week. The first serve, sen at gmail.com. You can uh, send that through. Uh, Terelgan, uh, playing host to a couple of big weeks on the itf calendar for the men and the women it's been a regular stop on the australian pro tour also uh, obviously uh, plays its part in the build-up to the australian open with the juniors and is just a terrific setup has had a big renovation the last couple of years susie grumley is the manager of the terrelgan tennis association she's been good enough to join us because when i think of terrelgan susie i think of you welcome
7: well, thank you, Brett. Thank you for having me.
5: You've been part of it for a long time. How many years?
7: Uh, 17 years now. This, this, this May, it'll be 17 years. So, yeah, it's been a while. It's been uh, great. Love it there.
5: And, yeah, you know, for you and your team, it's it's a huge couple of weeks. It's not just the two weeks, but it's the build-up and, and logistically putting everything together. You've got a terrific uh, set-up down at Tarelgum, obviously. I haven't, I haven't been down since you've had the new decking and... I'd like to, um, you know, see if I can uh, pop in. Um, well, it won't be this week, cause I'm off to Indian Wales uh, tomorrow night. But uh, certainly later on the year for the juniors and other events that you do have. But it is, it has become a real permanent uh, spot on the uh, on the calendar here in Australia.
7: Yeah, look, it's it's been, you know, it's, it's just a, proving to be a great couple of weeks. Uh, we've had wonderful weather, which is which is always an added bonus, but it's been a hectic couple of months of course we had the ITF junior event there in January um, which is the leading tournament to the Australian Open juniors we had AO qualifying rounds there as well and and then a couple of weeks break and we've headed straight into two weeks of pro tour so it's been it's been very hectic but it's been great fun.
5: Omar Jasika saluting uh, yesterday one in Bernie we had him on the show when he won Bernie and Tassie a few uh, weeks ago he's a He's a good young man who we're hoping can climb into the top 200 uh, this year. Too good for lead two in the final. I mean, some great names. Young James McCabe, who's going to be a potential star. Alex Bolt, you know, trying to find some of his uh, best form. You've got a sprinkling of internationals as well. Just dealing with the players uh, in Terrelgum when they come down your way. Susie, um, what's that experience like? Because all those names that I mentioned, uh, they're pretty decent young men.
7: They're great young men and, you know, the likes of Luke Savile, those mm. types of guys, Alex Bolt, they've been come, Omar, they've been coming to, you know, to Tirolgan for over 10 years um, playing in the ITF juniors. And, and funnily enough, we were speaking to Omar this week about the juniors and, and he actually uh, came runner up in the 2014 event the um the junior event and and alex a beat him of all people so mm. that was 10 years ago this year and um that was an amazing he played then and he is he's a wonderful young man and and he's got lots of charisma and we love having him at the club and 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 all those other guys too you know we're we're very fortunate to have seen so many of them come through the juniors so it's it's just great to have them come back each year
5: yeah, people forget that, you know, places like Torrelgan and Bernie and other stops around Australia, these are the stepping stones to, you know, you've got to start at that ITF level, build up to the challenges, to work your way to the pro tour. You've got to put in the hard yards. You know, I mean, you mentioned Alexander Zverev's name there. I mean, the honour roll at Torrelgan. What are a couple of the other names that sort of jump off the page in your time there who have gone on to do some extraordinary things in the sports, Susie?
7: Oh, yeah. Well, of course, you know, Roger Federer won the event in '98. Had uh, Yuri Lecker, he's been there. We've had lots of guys there that you know haven't uh, Joe Wilford, Songa. Mm. We've had a lot of guys and 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 women that have played there that you know um, haven't won the event, but um, you know have gone on to do so many many wonderful things too. Sasha Zarev, Nick Kyrgios, um, Marion Bartoli. You know the the list goes on and on. So. Um, We feel, you know, so fortunate. You just, Mira Andreeva, she was a finalist last year in 2023. Yep. We had Coco Golf there a few years ago, Layla Fernandez, you know, um, they didn't win the event, but but obviously are now, you know, um, going so well.
5: And Susie, I mean, you've had challenges in the past. The the events in this fortnight are at ITF level. I mean, we do a podcast called The Grind uh, where one of our co-hosts is Alexandra Osborne who sits on the ITF uh, Player Council, Advisory Council. And I think there's been a real uh, push, obviously, for a lot of the ITF events to... You know, just in terms of looking after the players, which they all do a great job of, but um, I think there's been a more prominent focus on that from whether it's hospitality, accommodation, uh, helping out in so many areas. Just give us a feel inside of Tirog the experience that you're trying to provide for the players when they come down your way.
7: Yeah, well, you know, we um, it is a bit different. This tournament's a bit different to having a challenger, obviously. There's yeah. a lot more rules and regulations for the challenger. Um, we provide a courtesy car, Uh, for the players that, you know, we don't have to do for them, but we like to, we do that. We obviously have a canteen open every day and that, you know, serves, um, you know, not just salad rolls and things, but pastas and bits and pieces. And, you know, we try and help them out as much as we can. We've um, been able to find, you know, housing for a lot of them. They find a lot of them love to stay in in with a family for a couple of weeks. It helps them out. And um, the community is so receptive to, you know, all our events and, and people love sort of playing a part in the tournament, whether it be volunteering or having a player come and stay. And, yeah, so it's really great. Um, the community really embraces the players and I think they enjoy that.
5: Uh, brilliant. Uh, I hope to get back down there again because you've done some great uh, renovations. It does look good on the uh, the live stream uh, which is a regular occurrence, of course, whether you're watching ITFs or uh, Challenges, you can watch it for uh, nothing or get. Uh, courtside, if you're listening in uh, down uh, Terelgan, Gippsland Way, go and watch some uh, great tennis. This is the next tier who are trying to go higher uh, in the sport. Susie, really appreciate some uh, insights and uh, continued success, 17 years, and I feel like there's another 17 left in you. I feel like you've got some stamina in, in you.
7: Thank you, Brett. <laughs> Thanks for having me.
5: <laughs> she's always like, come on, Brett, you're feeding him 70 more. Thank you, Susie. <laughs> you can do it. Come on. Susie Grumley, the uh, manager down there at the Tarelgan Tennis Association. Uh, Candy Reeb, she's a great commentator. She'll be my guest next here on The First Serve. Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Green Life Group to keep your sports grounds
1: in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com.
5: This is The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back. Uh, Plenty to come in the next uh, half hour. Thefirstserve.com.au. Check us out uh, during the week. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You uh, get on any of those channels and you can follow The First Serve in the world of tennis. Uh, For those of you that are consuming a bit of tennis, whether it be uh, through subscription uh, TV, uh, tennis TV, WTA TV, uh, be in sports, we'll talk more about all the rights and everything and obviously the lack of coverage here in Australia on next week's uh, program. But Candy Reid would be a voice in your ear that you'd be familiar with. Uh, She commentates a lot of matches. She's in Acapulco this week, a British tennis journalist who was a sports anchor for CNN International based in Atlanta going back. She played uh, tennis herself, of course, uh, back in the day. And I caught up with her uh, earlier today, building up to a big week in Mexico.
3: Thanks, Brett. Well, for me, it's an absolute pleasure to be listening because I think you know that I listen to the pod almost every Monday. So uh, thank you for what you do for tennis. And yeah, I think we had the best spot in the house today. We were sitting on the beach in Acapulco interviewing some of the best tennis players in the world, which is a bit of a thrill for me. Uh, so it wasn't
5: a bad day, I have to say. For those listening into our show, they'd be very familiar with your voice. I mean, those who are consuming a lot of uh, tennis uh, through subscription services here in Australia, your voice is very, very familiar. How many matches, Candy, did you call last year? Yeah, I do a
3: lot, actually, and you're right. I, I think, actually, I love that. A lot of people talk about how long the tennis tour is, don't they? But uh, I actually prefer it that way because if they, they shorten the tennis tour, then we'd have less work and less tennis to watch. be a great shame. I think for all of us who feel really passionate about it. But I was actually told I did over 400 matches last year, which is a bit of a shock to me. So that's obviously uh, uh, the majors, of which I do, I think, three of the four. And then uh, also WTA and ATP at all levels. Um, So pretty much I'll do anything, anything that anybody asks me. I just absolutely love tennis. I have a a massive background in tennis. I started playing at the age of eight. My grandmother was actually a, a junior Wimbledon player. And I got to play junior Wimbledon a couple of times, which was just amazing. Then went off to university in America and played at the University of Tennessee, which I know is a big uh, Australian hotspot because Michael Fankart was the Australian coach uh, for a couple of years when I was there. So we had loads of Australian boys on the team. I don't think any Australian women when I was there at the time. Uh, So I've had experience with college tennis and then went off to CNN to go and work as a, a sports presenter there for about 12 years on a global sports show called World Sport, where we got to cover everything, but they sort of gave me all the Tennis assignments, so that was incredible. So I've been around sports essentially my entire life, but tennis has been my number one sport.
5: Magnificent. Yeah, you mentioned the University of Tennessee. I was up uh, till about, what, uh, 1am, 2am this morning, Melbourne time, watching young Adam Walton, who was runner-up in the challenger in uh, Pune, but he's a, a great uh, example of someone who's uh, made a great transition from college to the pros uh, very quickly. What's the state of the game, Candy, right now, I mean obviously we've had a, an unbelievable era of Djokovic, Federer and the Dal. I mean, obviously we hope to see Rafa back playing this year. I mean, Djokovic has still got some time in the game to go but, gee, the game's in pretty good nick. I mean, you talked about some of the names you uh, set uh, beachside talking to today in Acapulco including our very own Aussie number one uh, Alex Dimenor. Gee, there's a lot to like about the next sort of 10 to 15, 20 years of the rivalries that are certainly developing
3: yeah it's always the way isn't it so we speak about when Sam Pras and Agassi left the game and what would happen then and then we got some amazing players and it's just moved on beautifully and there's so many exciting players I think there's a raft of entertainers uh, different players different characters different ways they play Alex de Minora is an absolute treasure isn't he as you well know, top 10 player now. And the guy is so likeable. You just sit down and you can listen to him speak all day. We actually spoke about how many shoes he goes through on a hard court today. So that will be played. I'm not going to give the answer away, but as you can imagine, it is a lot. But he is so speedy, he's yeah. added a lot to his game. He's got this big serve. He's just a tremendous character as well. And we spoke to Taylor Fritz and Francis Tiafo and Ben Shelton, who's just a diamond, isn't he? He's just got this massive smile. He's so personable for someone so young. Holger Runa was also there. He's had plenty of coaching changes. A lot is going on in Holger Runa as well, but it's always interesting. And of course, Stefanos Tsitsipas who's just come from Los Cabos did well in Mexico and has a good history in Mexico as well. I mean, he is just, well, I think he's a Greek god, Stefanos Tsitsipas.
5: Just on Holger, Back with Patrick, which is really interesting, isn't it? I mean, for those who have been following the second series of uh, Breakpoint on uh, Netflix, obviously there was quite a big focus on Holger and the coaching changes, and Moritoglu was in the camp, then he was out, then he came back in, and now he's come back for a third stint. I mean, they have known each other for quite uh, some time through Holger's... Mm Development, you know, going to the academy—it's an interesting stage that he's at, trying to sort of solidify a team around him.
3: Yeah, there have been a lot of changes. We know that uh, Lapo beccarini his fitness guy, I think, is out now. His mum hasn't been seen on tour for a couple of weeks. That was something I think that struck out when I was watching breakpoint is that she was still making his bed. And I have a sixteen-year-old son, and I just hope that uh, when he gets to twenty, I'm not still making his bed. But uh, these things happen. There's a lot of inconsistency in Holger Rune's world. And I hope that changes because he really brings a lot to the game, doesn't he? He's got this fire, fiery personality, an amazing player. He's got all the shots. He's really entertaining to watch. He's a young guy. I don't know if you saw his interview that I did in Basel when he talked about hair for the air. And he was talking about not having his cap on because he wanted to give his hair some air. And he's a, he's a funny guy. So hopefully things have settled down. But it didn't last too long with Severin Luty. Didn't last too long either with Boris Becker. Both of those guys uh, have been out for a a while now and Patrick Moratoglu is back in. So let's hope there's some consistency in Holgerud as well because he really is one of the bright hopes for the future along with... Many others,
5: including Yannick Sinner and Carlos Alcaraz. Tennis is in phenomenal shape. The only way is up as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no doubt. Candy Reid is uh, joining us. She's uh, live in Acapulco, one of the regular voices you hear commentating tennis uh, week to week uh, around the globe. Just a, a, a bigger question around, obviously it's been floated about a possible premium tour concept. Craig Tiley, quite prominent there in, in leading that space with Stacey Allister. Peter Johnston, a tournament director who looks after Zhuhai and uh, was looking after Tel Aviv. Kuyong, the classic here, and the lead-up to the Australian Open, was on our program a couple of weeks ago. And a man who travels the world, who is involved in these sort of 250-level events, and he thinks that this would really struggle to get off the ground. Have you just got a view on where all that sort of heads? Difficult.
3: And I, I have to say, I heard that interview with uh, Peter Johnston, and I would say that he should be a prime minister or president in any country, I would take... And listen to it whatever he said at all times he's got such an authority hasn't he a great orator uh, a great speaker uh, and what a what a brain he has in tennis and he seems to absolutely love the game as much as he ever did it's going to be interesting because my brother is very much involved in the golf world so i know awful a lot about live tour and of course we've got the saudis really interested now in tennis we saw actually i was in jeddah last year for the next gen which was absolutely a phenomenal tournament the courts uh, at the next gen it was brilliant, the speed of it. And the matches were so entertaining, won by Hamad Majedovic. We saw Arthur these we saw Alex Mickelson, who actually lost all three group matches. Mm. And Alex Mickelson is just on a tear right oh. now. He's beating players left, right and centre, including your guy, uh, Alex Demenor, last week in Cabos. So he's playing well. But I think the ATP Tour, the WTA Tour, needs to come together. Whether or not there's going to be a Premier Tour is something that I, have to, I think we have to wait for. But uh, we do know that I think the the tours have to combine, the majors have to come together, and we have to have one cooperating tour all together, working in the right direction. I think that's going to be imperative, and I think that's something that perhaps golf has just warned tennis about. Be ready, because a lot of money is going to come in, and, and money talks, we all know eventually, you can say all the right things if you want to. But we all know where this game is heading. So I think just coming together and providing some collaboration is what we all need, whether or not there's a Premier Tour in our distance or future or not.
5: Yes, plenty in 2024 in the uh, watch this space uh, sort of uh, category with tennis uh, really setting up the calendar and the Saudi interest and how it's all going to look over the next two to three years. It's a fascinating space. And I
3: have to say, I interviewed um, the president of the Italian Tennis Federation at the Australian Open this year. And one of the things that struck out, because I was asking him why Italian tennis is so good, Is it not just because the future satellites and challenges they have and actually he said it's because they have a dedicated tennis channel for tennis so at all levels tennis is very relevant he said it's becoming as popular now as football or soccer In the region and that really stood out to me i think more of that in every country especially great britain and hopefully australia
5: too yeah it's a big talking point in australia we're going to keep on it here on the first serve because there are people who want to see uh tennis all the time who follow it like uh, we do Uh, candy thank you enjoy uh, acapulco and hopefully the demon can uh, fire up to uh, defend his title
3: thanks very much thanks brett thanks for having me
5: Candy Reid, earlier today from uh, Acapulco, it is uh, a great tournament. Uh, There you go. Italy, uh, full-time tennis uh, channel. We're going to discuss uh, rights. We're going to discuss scheduling on the program next week. I know uh, it's the bane of many that Fox Sports doesn't show be in anymore. You have to go through subscription uh, services to get that, and uh, Tennis TV, uh, WTA, Uh, TV. So I have had some uh, discussions off air in the last week with Tennis Australia, Channel 9 um, and a couple of other outlets and uh, we'll continue to uh, present uh, and push uh, that agenda over the next uh, few weeks. We'll uh, come back. Uh, Simona Halep, a couple of former stars of the sport have weighed in. Whether it's tennis, football or cricket, trust Greenlight Group to keep your sports
1: grounds in top condition. Elevate your play at glgcorp.com.
5: This is the first serve, your home of tennis. We mentioned Taylor Preston, the 18-year-old, a little earlier. She'll be in San Diego this week, uh, taking along uh, Magdalena Fritsch of uh, Poland in the opening round. Darius Seville getting through qualifying uh, today. I'll take on Zhu Lin of China. Uh, several will play with Anna Blinkover in the doubles. Ellen Perez, Nicole, Melika Martinez trying to win their second title. They're 1-10. Tough going. Stormhunter Hunter and Katerina Siniarkova who defeated them in the Middle East. So that quartet uh, headed for uh, San Diego. Uh, Austin, Texas. We'll have a couple of the Australian women this week. Olivia Gadecki who got through qualifying and also Arena uh, Rodianova. And of course, Maya Joint who won Bernie, will play in doubles Uh, gadecki will play in the doubles as well i mentioned um uh, adam walton just in my chat there with candy reed he's an impressive young man university of tennessee quick transition to the pros he's inside the top 150 for the first time he won bernie second challenger final of the year he played in pune in india last night it was one hell of a battle taking on valentin vasharot of monaco is on an absolute tear at the moment having won three challenges in a row. Uh, fourth seed, 3 six, 7 6 7 6 So Walton just pipped, but he's uh, going uh, very nicely. He presents well. He won the doubles with Tristan Schoolkate. Uh, Finland's uh, Otto Vertinen won the uh, challenger in uh, France. So he moves to 4-0 and o in challenger finals. He's up 41 to 131 in the world, 22 years of age. In fact, Emile Roussevori uh, and Jako Niemannen are the only other uh, Finnish players to win four ATP titles before their 23rd birthday. So Otto uh, going nicely. We need a few players to step up, uh, certainly from uh, Finland. Matteo Gigante of Italy took out the Tenerife uh, Challenger, uh, fourth ATP Challenger title. He's up 27 spots to 156. The Aussies are going to be in Delhi this week, this little Indian swing of tournaments. School Kate Sweeney. Uh, Tomic and uh, Walton uh, to play in the New Delhi Open. And, of course, the ITS will continue down in Terelgan. don't know if you've caught Andy Roddick's uh, new podcast served with uh, Andy Roddick. Uh, John Wertheim from Sports Illustrated is with him. Our special guest uh, this week was Kim Kleisters. As Andy Roddick and Kim Kleisters weigh into the Simona Halep saga. Let's take a listen.
0: Trying to appeal uh, a suspension. Um, John Wertheim in the last segment went through the timeline of positive tests uh, coaching changes, team changes, kind of uh, this this vortex that has gone on around Simona for the last eighteen months, you know you know some people are like, well, you know it is what it is, you take what you take, and then you know some people require uh, or or want um, a, a little more nuance uh with the situation um, she's now suing the supplement maker, and it's just been a mess for someone who was generally really liked and respected, uh, in right. the sport for, for, for a long time. Um, I'm going to do the thing that annoys me when I'm on the other side of it and ask a very vague question, <laughs> but what's your, what's your take on the situation? And, you know, are you, uh, uh, upset about it, concerned about it? Are you mad that people don't have the patience to actually deal with it in nuance? Um, uh, what's all your the take above.
8: on it? All the above. Um, I think um, obviously I was very surprised when you hear the news and um, and, you know, I don't know Simona very well, uh, but I know her um, well enough, I think, to kind of have a little bit of a judgment that it's something that I do believe that she didn't take anything on purpose to put her career in a situation like it is today.
0: And sorry to interrupt, but it is a, like, she's a, she would be, and it's going to be, that's another whole conversation. She would have been a first ballot hall of famer, number one, like instant vote, no problem in, and it's, you're basically asking the question, would I put that at risk, you know, at 30 years old? Right. Right. And I think,
8: to me, the biggest red flag is, you know, the team. Like, I have a hard time. And I get it. Like, I get that she took the supplements and she, you know, she has to be aware. Like we've been in the situation where, you know, you get sick or you have to, you have to check everything. Like I've had to, you know, anything that I had to, or that a doctor prescribed, I had just checked with the, you know, with the WTA, with the doping committee, like, is this clean? Can I get a, an approval? If you don't do that, there's always a risk that something could go wrong, but in a situation like this, and I'm so like for women, especially, um, when you have coaches that take over your team, where they—I mean, I call it manipulating. I don't find another word for it. Taking control of everything that happens around an athlete, I do have a—I do have a hard time with the fact that, you know, in this case, it's Patrick. He does a video, says, "Okay, this was—I think it was collagen or something, a collagen product that we had or my, his team had um, proposed for her to take." And that she takes it without any hesitation, where you trust your team, where you trust the people around you, that they know that they're doing the right thing. And then that that happens on such a, I have a really hard time that, you know, that there is no consequence for the team for like, that it's just the athlete. Yeah. When you trust your team. He's
0: he's kind of, and we're talking about uh, Patrick Marauderglou, where she basically flipped her whole team and he was kind of in control brought in his people but it's it stinks because she's gonna end up being potentially the poster child uh, of a conversation it's like okay well you know this guy who comes in is great at self-promotion right he's his website I went on it the other day and it's like 18 different photo shoots it's like a (laughs) prepackaged, you know situation I say is like it's like it's like when are you doing
8: yours when are you doing yours
0: no, it's it's like Puff Daddy, who he he used to like jump into every music I video know, in the yeah, '90s. Yeah. Now that's like him in player boxes. Um, yeah. But it's 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 interesting because I I kind of feel the same way. I'm not sure what the punishment is, and I understand the way that the rules are written. We are all responsible, but it also bothers me that one there wasn't an immediate I'm out front. Not just a video, but I'll take your questions. I like if I would have done that. If I would have been a part of giving someone something. And them trusting me with it, I would have been out there t- trying to take as many bullets as possible yeah. for, for that person, right? Like saying, I, "I did this. I gave it to her. It's my fault. I understand she's the only one that can pay the price because it's in her body and it p- potentially benefited her." Um, yeah, but it, it is it is a weird weird thing, and I don't know how to digest it. You know, kind of the male female of it all, but it just seems it just seems like it's a it's a it's a tough situation when she's going to court on the same day that he's releasing top 5 lists on twitter for servers
8: i i agree i agree it sits so wrong with me and i'm trying to put myself in the situation of understanding, like, and I'm curious, just for the future of like, W the, the, the WTA the like everything like because this can happen over and over again, we've seen it in the past where you have these coaches that come in and they take over the life of a player and they, they want to be in control of everything and everybody that 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 talks to the to, to the athlete. And yeah, it's, it's definitely a huge red flag. And, and I feel really bad for Simona. Um, but again, you know, we don't know the whole truth, but I hope that she gets um, her her time. And I guess she was able to defend her the care case last week or something, or and she's waiting for like the the verdict. Yeah, to come I feel out, like or... it's.
0: I feel like we're in a long process of. I, I don't know if there's new information coming out, so I feel like we're almost stuck in the loop of getting a more sympathetic ear to right. deliver the same information.
5: There you go, two former world number ones, Andy Roddick and Kim Clijsters, on Andy's uh, new podcast. Uh, served with Andy Roddick uh, weighing into the whole uh, Simona Halep uh, situation which uh, right now is waiting for the decision uh, that uh, she has appealed her four match uh, sorry her four year BAM, and she's awaiting on the verdict uh, as far as uh, that is concerned an interesting uh, comments there in regard to Patrick Mouratoglou who we re- referenced earlier is now back with Holger Rune for a third stint of course he coached Serena Williams for a decade a lot of success Uh, for uh, Serena, and yes, it is certainly on the athlete of what you actually put into your body, but I think a a fairly uh, pertinent uh, comment there from Kim Klysters in particular, that uh, the team here uh, seem to be uh, getting away with it, even though Patrick uh, did say late last year, uh, made an official statement that he took responsibility, but uh, no real responsibility will fall on him uh, long-term. It's uh, all in the hands of uh, Simona Halep and what you actually physically put in your body. Uh, Brent Jones, I'm going to save your uh, two-page little uh, thing you sent me in regard to many things in tennis in the mailbag over the last week. I've run out of time, so I will save that for uh, next week's uh, show where we're going to be in Indian Wells. So taking off uh, tomorrow, we're going to catch a little bit of San Diego on the first serve, so make sure you check out our our social accounts at WTA500. Hopefully the Aussies can go uh, nice and deep. And then Indian Wells, where else would you want to be? Tennis Paradise. I promise you one day that we're going to take a tour group over to Indian Wells. Bit of tennis, bit of golf, Uh, the Californian desert. It is uh, something else that is on my to-do list as long as I keep doing uh, the first serve. So look forward to doing that. Thank you for your company tonight. Firstserve.com.au. Check out our socials. If you've missed our show, catch up on the podcast. I'll talk to you next Monday night at 8 o'clock.